Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 830. Yeah, you know, Mark, what I would tell your listeners is I would say to just follow your dreams, uncover your passion. I did recently, right? So uncover your passion, whether it's business related or whether it's in pleasure, but try to find to a way a way to incorporate that passion into your life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Rich McDonald. Hey, Rich, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. Let's go. Let's go. Rich McDonald is involved in sales and promotions at Hillbank Superformance in Irvine, California. There they build continuation models of the Shelby Cobra, the Daytona Coupe, the Ford GT40, Caterhams, and the Corvette Grand Sport. You can walk in and purchase a new car or have them build one to your exacting specifications. Rich's father, Dave McDonald, raced Cobras to many victories back in the 1960s, so Rich feels right at home representing these iconic sports cars at Superformance. Rich, I've told our listeners just a very tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment before we get into the questions and share a little bit more about your career, your business, and, of course, your passion for very cool automobiles? <laughs> yeah, I think, by the way, that was a great introduction. I think that encapsulates it uh, perfectly. But, yeah, you know, I work uh, for Superformance and its largest dealer, Hillbank Motorsports. We're right here in Irvine, California. Great for me because I also live in Irvine, California, so it doesn't take me, you know, there's nothing worse than L.A. traffic, oh, but it takes me <laughs> yeah. about 10 minutes to get to work, so I'm very fortunate. But yeah. You know, here at uh, at uh, Superformance in Hillbank, we do sell iconic race cars from the 1960s. As you mentioned, fantastic cars like the Cobras, uh, Daytona Coupes, Corvette Grand Sports, and the GT40s. I've only been on board here at Superformance in Hillbank for a few months, but it does feel like a natural to me. You know, to be here representing these spectacular cars. And as you mentioned, you know, one of the reasons why it does feel natural for me to be here is my father was 1960s racer Dave McDonald, and he literally ran many of the originals of these cars that we build and sell here to victories, and actually uh, their first victories, too. Uh, something that you don't know. You know, you and I, you were at Superformance uh, not long ago, Mark, yeah. and we talked for a bit, but I didn't tell you that my father was the one who won the first race ever in a Shelby Cobra Roadster. He was the one that uh, won the first race ever in a Shelby King Cobra and the Cobra Daytona Coupe. So only one man, you know, can lay claim to that, and that's my father, Dave McDonald. So I'm super, super proud of everything that he was be able or he was able to accomplish back in the day. But, you know, to get inside one of these cars, Mark, you know, it, it literally puts you right back in to the 1960s, the sound, the smell, the feel of these cars, it just puts you back to that wonderful, wonderful era, the glory days of racing. It's really intoxicating. So I would encourage anyone, if they are in the area uh, of Irvine or Orange County, to come on by. Come by our showroom. We've got some beautiful cars. We'll take you on a test drive, and hopefully you'll end up buying one. You know, yeah, and I've got goosebumps right now, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I was down there two weeks ago, as you know. We re we met each other at that time, and you told me all about your father, and I, I couldn't believe it. I was going, 
oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. I need to go back and read some more of my books. The fact that he raced and won in all three of those models. And while I was there, I got to drive a GT40. I didn't want to get out of that thing. That was like so <laughs> cool. I sat in a Cobra in your lobby that represented the car that your dad drove back in the day. I didn't want to get out of that one either. I mean, and then when I walked in that back room and saw 70 plus cars sitting there, I, I thought there were mirrors on the walls. I just went, how, <laughs> wait a minute, how could there be so many cars here? So yeah, if any of my listeners are in the Irvine area, give these guys a call. And I just uh, last Friday had your cohort in crime, Doug Campbell, on the show. Right. Yeah, he shared a lot with me, and I got to meet both you guys when I was there. Man, I feel like it's old homecoming here, so I'm so, <laughs> I'm so, so happy to have you here and so honored. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of important saying that has real meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Rich, <laughs> take the wheel. Inspirational quote, uh, a mantra. You know, I would – I'd say, Mark, that – um just treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Yeah. I mean, it sounds simple, right? It's often used, often stated, but I think it's woefully under practice, you know, in the world. And I think to one's detriment. Yeah. You know, I've always found this to be a useful approach, uh, not just in business, but in life. And I mean, it takes very little effort to actually practice this. Yes. But the benefits to treating people with respect are are usually seen immediately. And, yeah. you know, if not immediately, uh, certainly over time uh, and later on down the road. But, you know, I'm fortunate because of my last name. Being Dave McDonald's son has opened a lot of doors for me into the automotive community uh, you know, the car collector community and the racing community, whether it's in sports car events or, or NASCAR or the Indy 500, I'm often afforded the opportunity to meet with people at the highest level in these groups, you know, wow. including many legendary racing drivers. Yeah. So you're not going to be welcome long in this group if you're not like. So the fact, I think, that I continue uh, to receive invites and I sustain relationships within this group, I think is squarely attributed to the fact that I've treated everyone with the utmost respect. And it's genuine respect too, right? People can see the difference. If oh, yeah. you're fake and you're not real and you're trying to suck up and you want to use their celebrity uh, to your advantage, they can see that. And I just really think that if you treat people exactly the way that you would want to be treated, it's going to come back to you in spades. And I think it's done that for me. Absolutely. You know, it's the old golden rule that we were all taught uh, when we were young. And if you went to church when you were young, like I did, you learned the golden rule. And that's one of those basic things in life. Treat people the way you want to be treated. If only the rest of the world acted that way, wouldn't it be a nicer place? But I'll let our listeners know, when I was down at Superformance, I, I met Rich. And the minute you walked up to me, your smile, your presence, I mean, here's a genuine guy. So uh, yeah, a guy that walks his talk for sure. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed a car guy? <laughs> well, you know, I, I've definitely had a lifelong passion for cars, you know, mostly fast cars. And basically since before I could even walk, really. I mean, I was going to the drags as a baby. And while I don't have, because, uh, you know, be, even before my father started road racing in 1960, I was born in 1957, he was running his Corvettes at the drag. So we'd pack up as a family and we'd be there. So I was literally at drag races 
before I could walk. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, I don't have any recollections. I know this because, you know, I've seen pictures and, and my mom has told me. Yeah. I don't have recollections, personal recollections of uh, my father drag racing, but undoubtedly that is where my fascination for speed originated. Yeah. You know, I do have uh, lots of memories of going to road races out at Riverside Raceway. Oh yeah. When I was a young kid and I especially have very, very vivid memory of one time sitting on my father's lap. We were in a Cobra. Uh, we're on the back straight at Riverside, and we were doing, I don't know how fast it was. I was on his lap. I remember to this day, I can remember him saying, get in, get on my lap, and you can drive. So you're six years old. Oh, you're, my gosh. Oh, I can drive this car. Uh, so I get in, and while I had my hands, I can Literally envision this right now, envision this. My hands were on the top of the steering wheel, but he, of course, I'm sure I never saw this, but he had them down below. Yeah. You know, holding the steering <laughs> of course. wheel. But we're blasting down the back straight at Riverside. Uh, I don't know how fast we were going, but definitely that had to have been a time where um, – my love for fast cars was reinforced from that wild experience. Oh, man. For you to have been able to drive on that track with your dad when you're a little boy, I can't even imagine. You think about now he'd be arrested for child endangerment, I'm sure. But back then, things were different. And, of course, you were in capable hands, a guy that knew what he was doing in a Cobra. Wow. That is a special Bye. memory. Thanks for thanks for taking us there. That was really cool. Well, Rich, what I want to do is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced. The most important part of these lessons are the lessons. So tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your business. Well, actually, to me, Mark, this question is easy, and I would relate this question to life. And for sure, I'd have to say the biggest challenge that I ever faced in my life, and it was a challenge that my mother and sister and I all faced together, uh, it was when my father was killed at Indy in 1964. Oh, yeah. You know, I was only six, my little sister was only five, and he was a huge, huge influence on our family. And until then... Our lives completely, 100% revolved around all things racing, you know, especially for my um, little sister and I, since that's the only thing that we'd ever known is doing racing-related stuff with my dad and as a family. So, um, you know, when he died, it all stopped, and it stopped abruptly. And as a family, we had to completely adjust to a new way of life without my dad. Yeah. And, you know, and as little kids... Um, it's pretty much an impossible task to overcome if you don't have strong support and strong guidance from someone. And, and my mother really stepped up and provided that, you know, at a really critical time. And she ensured that we all moved together and moved forward as a team, yeah. you know. And, and, and like I said, she stepped up. We're forever grateful for that. She could have, um, as a lot of people do, just give up, and it's a, it, too burdensome. It's too big of a challenge. But her love for us and her love for my father um, really made her step up. So, yeah, that was a major obstacle uh, in not just my life, but my sister's and my mother's. And we undoubtedly moved past that, I believe, very, very successfully. My sister's doing very well today. I'm doing well. My mom is, is now retired, but she had a successful career, and she's enjoying her later years now very much. So it's all her. So it was a challenge definitely in my life. But uh, without my mother, who is the sweetest person in the world, and I'm, Mark, I really can't wait for, for you to have the opportunity to meet her. Everyone loves Sherry McDonald. It would be an honor. And I think you would, too. So it was, it was definitely a challenge, and I think we overcame it uh, with flying colors. Wow. Oh, man. Well, not even sure where to go from here other than... 
thanking you for taking us to a really, really uh, difficult and challenging time in your life, a very personal time in your life. And I can't even imagine, I just lost my father two months ago. Of course, he was much, much older, and I'm much, much older. And it's kind of to be expected when you get to points in your life. But to lose a parent at such a young age, yeah, your mother obviously is a very very strong woman, and for her to do what she did and carry forward in your father's honor and his legacy, of course. Uh, racers never give up. They're always pushing, pushing, pushing. So, wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. You know, when I met you down in uh, in Irvine, uh, you talk, we talked a little bit about that. You showed me some of the many pictures you have of your dad. And, of course, I've gone to his Facebook page, your Facebook page, <laughs> has all those cool pictures. I was looking at him this afternoon going, oh, my gosh, what a legacy this guy has. So, wow, very, very fortunate you are to have had him as your father. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a, a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights kind of come on and illuminate your way for a new direction in your life or in your career. So tell us what your aha moment was. Well, you know, my aha moment was probably just recently, um, you know, coming over here to Superformance. I've been in sales most of my adult life, and while I've always believed in the products that I've sold, I've never really had that ultimate passion, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're out there selling, you do what you got to do. And, you know, I've never taken a position with the company that I didn't believe in the product that I was selling, but I've never had that ultimate passion. And I think now, you know, working for Superformance and Hillbank and working around in and around these beautiful Superformance supercars has really given me that passion. So, you know, I'm enjoying myself now. I love the company. The company is great. Um, you know, it's got a great reputation. There are several excellent manufacturers actually in this space. Right. But Superformance, I think, has the best reputation at all, of all. Yeah. We're uh, the only manufacturer that builds the Corvette Grand Sports that are licensed by General Motors. Our GT40s carry the original GT40 trademark. And our Cobras, uh, Roadsters, and our Daytona Coupes are the only Cobras and Coupes that are licensed by Shelby American. So when you have that legit old school DNA from Shelby yeah. connected to the cars that you're selling, promoting and representing, that's important to me when you consider my background. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm really happy to be on board and I really feel a connection since they're cars that, that my father raced to glory back in the day. He didn't race the GT40 only because, you know, he was killed in 64. And even though the GT40s were coming on scene like in late 63 and 64, mm-hmm. uh, he died in May of 64. So yeah. he was ready. Uh, he'd just gotten his passport in, uh, what was it? I think it was April of 64, and he was ready to go to Le Mans oh, wow. in June of 64, but he died uh, just two weeks earlier. In May, yeah, the traditional Indy uh, race in May. Wow. Well, you know, this is very interesting because when I spoke to your uh, your cohort there, Doug, uh, last Friday, he's like you. He, he kind of transitioned from a long, successful career but not a career that he was super passionate about, or at least what he was doing, into something now that combines that passion for cars with his career. And he did it at a later point in life, 56 years old around there. You're 59, I think, 58, 59. 59, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're the yeah. same age I am. So, you know, late bloomers, two late bloomers. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because Lance, you know, he's been in that business since he was a kid with his dad starting Hill Bank. And then he's got his entire family that have grown up, his wife and three kids. So you got a bunch bunch of old timers that are younger than you guys and then some old timers that you know are young in your passion career with the company so i think that's really cool that's what cars jazz is all about people finding a way to wrap their passion 
into their careers. So right, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. very, very cool. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that really stands out for you? Well, maybe not as a business owner, uh, but definitely in business, and not really actually related uh, to cars in any way. But I'd have to say that my proudest moment in the business arena was uh, many, many years ago. I was working in sales in the corporate world. Uh, it was my first year with this particular company, and I rose actually to be the top producer of the company in the first year. Wow. Uh, I made what was called back then, I don't know if they still have it, but it was the President's Club. Uh-huh. And uh, I was given a two-week all-expenses-paid vacation to Mexico for my wife and I. And, man, that was spectacular right there. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Uh, I repeated that uh, the following year. So, you know, for two years in a row to be the top producer of that company and get uh, the President's Club and the vacations and all the awards that went with it, I would have to say that that's probably my proudest period you know, business-wise, certainly my most successful. Congratulations for that. And it's great to work for a company that rewards people that work so hard because those kind of awards don't come easy. They don't just happen. They happen because you work your tail off. And uh, that's how they come to fruition. So very, very cool. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. I'd love to hear about what your first really special car was. Maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. Probably my first special car was my first car. You know, I think uh, I think everyone who gets that first car, that car is special. Yeah. And uh, that was certainly the case with me. I mean, my first car was in 19. It was in 1972. I was 15 and a half. So I think I was probably just a freshman, maybe as a sophomore in high school, but not yet turned 16. You could drive cars back then with the permit yeah. at 15 and a half. I remember at that. 15 yeah. and a half. You had to have, if you remember, you had to have someone that was 18 years old in the car, though. Oh, yeah. Um, and I had my little sister and my mom remarried, so I had a stepsister who was younger and a stepbrother who was younger. And my granny, my mom's mom, and I probably shouldn't be saying – I don't think I've ever told anyone this story, so I can't believe Ooh, I'm, I'm counting it in public. Yeah, we're, we're going to scoop this right here. But she would babysit us. So after we'd come home from school, and again, I had younger siblings, so she'd be there to babysit. And I look at man, I'm 15. I got my first car. By the way, it was a 1967 Impala. It <laughs> cool. was black. It was a beautiful deep black. It had, it was lowered. It was, you know, in the seventies. So that yeah. was kind of cool. Uh, lowered in the back. It had Krager rims. I don't know if you remember oh, those. Oh, of course I do. Yeah. All the rage, weren't they? Everyone oh, yeah. was. Regular chrome rim. So uh, the car had that. It had the bellflower exhaust pipes, the chrome pipes coming out behind the rear wheel. <laughs> the Beach it Boys, just, chrome pipes. Yeah, a spectacular car. And, uh, you know, there's nothing more that I wanted to do than to drive it. I was 15 and a half, and I didn't know too many people that were 18. I knew a couple, but you can't have those people come over every single day. So I... <laughs> <laughs> I would come home from school every day and, oh my gosh, can't believe I'm saying this. I would lie to my granny and tell her that, yeah, this guy's 18, you know, just oh, so what I are your friends? In the car. Yeah. And they were 16 or 15 and a half, just like me. I've tried to look for, you know, the oldest looking 16 year old that I knew. <laughs> they, all, they all had a little peach fuzz on their chin, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. But, um, you know, so now I'm feeling pretty bad about that, but that was definitely, 
one of my most favorite cars because it was my first car and Mark, it was beautiful. And, you know, everywhere I went, of course, I had it when I turned 16 and 17. So I was able to drive it legally. But everywhere that I went, heads would turn and I would get thumbs up. It was just a beautiful car. So, you know, I don't know if it was a particular time that was special, but probably the entire time that I had that car was special because it was my first car. It was beautiful. And mm. You know, I, I was breaking my driving hood in with that car. So yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll never forget that era. Well, you finally got that off your chest, the story that you told your granny all those you're years good, Mark, You're good to pull that out of me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, now you can feel a little bit better that that's finally on the table. You don't have to go to bed with that every night anymore. That's a big burden to carry all these years, buddy. I'm glad you finally got that off your chest. How about a car that you've let go that you really wish you had back? Is there a seller's remorse story in your life? Oh, yeah, that that's easy. Um, you know, I didn't have, uh, growing up, I didn't have too many really expensive cars. I had some cool cars and some fun cars. But I think probably the car that I most regret selling was my little Porsche 914. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it was fast, it cornered well, and it was probably the closest thing, at least until later on in life when I started buying, you know, foreign sports coupes and all that. Sure. It was the closest thing that I ever had to a race car. And I didn't own it in 74. I think I owned this car uh, around the 1980s, mm -hmm. you know, maybe the early 80s. So yeah. I was in my 20s and I would just race that. It, it gripped the road really well. Yeah. So uh, I rear-ended a car at uh, some point, and it got some front-end damage. So I ended up trading that car in for a Mazda RX-7. And that was a fun car, too. But still, I think I enjoyed it. And plus, that little 914 Porsche had the pop-top. So it can be a pseudo- Target top, yeah. Target top, little convertible. So I think I'll always remember that as the car I regretfully sold. Yeah, I had a friend when I was in high school who his parents bought him one, and he wanted a 911, so he was always a little bit put out. I was thinking, holy cow, how can you be mad that you got one of these? This is so cool. So he would always let me drive it when we would go hang out and do stuff, and I just, I love that little thing. And many, many years later, probably, oh, I think it was about 12 years ago, I got a 914, a little 2.0. Not Did 14. you? Yeah, my son was just starting to learn how to drive, and I thought it'd be a cool first car for him. But my wife uh, reminded me, there's no airbags in this thing. It's called a Porsche. It's very small. <laughs> I don't think this is a good first car for a young man. But uh, it was a fun car, and he learned how to drive a stick shift in that car. And yeah, it was fun. It was a really beautiful blue color, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. And the funny thing is, nowadays, a lot of people, the younger people, have no idea what it is. They look at it and go, what is that? Because they've never seen one, because a lot of those cars just rusted away, so. Yeah, they're fun cars. So, yep, I wouldn't mind having one of those back. Of course, I would want a 914.6 with GT flares. and Of course, you know, yeah. Something yeah. with a, with a 2.4 in it or maybe beats that up to a 2.7 liter 911 engine. Those things are rocket ships. So Sure. Very, very yeah. cool. Now, Rich, when I was down there in your shop, in the front showroom, when you walk right in, was a black car that you let me sit in. And mm. there was something about that car that was so cool I want you to share because it really brought back the history. And I just felt so good sitting in that car. And you have some ties regarding your dad with that car too, right? I do. I do. You know, and, and you were in the showroom and you see all of the beautiful cars in that showroom. <laughs> oh and there are gosh. many, right? Oh. We've got about 80 cars in the showroom and they're all just drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. But this particular car, the one that you were in, Mark, uh, is called uh, a Shelby Sebring Cobra. 
Now, it's one of 15 cars that were built. It's a limited run that um, it's one of our latest collaborations with Shelby American. We built 15 of these cars. We debuted them uh, at Barrett-Jackson in January, and all 15 sold at, uh, at the unveiling. These cars, you can have them, and it's up to the customer. So you buy the car. It's built exactly like a 1963 Shelby Cobra, and it's built super, super authentic to how the cars were, Mark, back in 1963. Now, before actually Shelby and Superformance started on these cars prior to me even coming to work for Superformance in Hillbank, so they consulted me. They wanted this run of cars to be the most authentic to the 1963 Cobras that has ever been built. Wow. So they consulted me. They knew I knew had a lot of information about my dad driving these cars. I contacted four of the actual Shelby American mechanics who worked on these cars back in 1963. And, you know, we studied hundreds and hundreds of period correct photos. And we consulted these guys throughout the entire build to make sure these cars were accurate, and they are. Uh, you know, I promise you a more accurate Cobra to a 1963 Shelby Cobra you'll never find. But the really unique thing about these cars is the customer can actually choose the livery of their finish. So they can choose to have it finished in one of four legendary Shelby American drivers. Wow. So they can choose to have it finished in Dan Gurney livery, in Alan Grant livery, Ken Miles livery, or Dave McDonald livery. So I am super, super proud yeah. that of all the drivers Shelby had, and he had some great ones in his camp, that uh, the decision was made to add my father into that collection. So the one that you were in... Uh, was the Dave McDonald livery. Yeah. So they are spectacular cars. Well, I knew that was a special car, and I wanted you to tell the listeners about it. Of course, you and I talked about it while I was down there, but I wanted them to hear. And I'll just let you know, sitting in that car, you know, there's lots of Cobras out there. They're all a little bit different. Some are better. Some are a little gaudy. Some are more authentic. <laughs> It just depends on what the person who owns a car likes, but that car just felt like an old car to me. Uh, it just, when I sat in that thing, it just felt right. So I don't know if it was the story you told about your dad or if it's just the fact that, I mean, even down to the switches look like the panel off of the World War II bombers that they used. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, ah, very, very nice. Oh, man, what a great story. That is fantastic. So I want to know if you were a car, what kind of car would Rich be and why? Probably my favorite car ever is the 1963 split-windowed Stingray. Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, if I were going to be a car, that's what I would be. But to answer your question, it's also how I perceive myself, uh, the car I perceive myself to be. Not only did my father actually do the shakedown testing during the development stages of the all-new 63 Ray, and he also raced the first production Stingray in a race. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was actually at and watching. Um, but we also owned one as a kid. So I guess all of that accumulatively yeah. has made me a lifelong fan of the car, and it's made a strong impression on me. So I would think you know, so. that's probably my favorite car ever, and that's what I would like to be if I was going to be a car. You know, even to this day, I'm still mesmerized. Every time I see a 1963 Stingray come down the street. So, yeah. you know, maybe a rather lofty impression of myself that I would envision, <laughs> you know, myself as a 63 Stingray. But 
um, certainly that's what I would perceive myself to be because I just absolutely love that car. It's a beautiful car. Yeah, well, that's a cool story how your dad was involved in that. So some nice family provenance there that I think is well-deserved for you to be a Corvette Stingray and especially the uh, iconic 63. Well, Rich, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Rich, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick Cobra blips of the throttle. So here we go. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I don't know. I'd say maybe just uh, take care of your cars. Treat them right, properly maintenance them. You know, I've often put over 100,000 miles on my car before trading them in, and they've always run well. I've never really had any major problems with my cars. Yep. And I think, you know, maybe just treating them right and, like I said, maintaining them at the proper intervals, and they're going to treat you right, and they're going to pay you back. So that's probably the best advice I can give anyone is just treat your cars right. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Oh, yeah. I think um, sincerity and honesty, Mark, yeah. 100%. Honesty is always the best policy, for sure. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources these days with the Internet, of course. But is there one in particular you really like that you'd like to share? Well, I'd like to give you two, actually, if I Perfect. could. Yeah. Let me give you one personally and, and one professionally. Um, professionally, you can you know, certainly go see the iconic super-performance cars that we build and sell at uh, our Hillbank website, and that's www.hillbankusa.com. In terms of personally and mostly related, to, of course, to my father's racing career, I'd send them to davemcdonald.net. Cool. So that's davemcdonald, M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.net, 
And I have, uh, you know, Mark, I was telling you when you were at the show, my mom saved everything related to my father's racing career yeah. uh, back in the 60s. So I've got um, period photos. I've got newspaper articles. I've got internal Shelby notes. I've got paychecks. I have so much stuff that she saved wow. related to him that I've scanned now and I've put up on the website. So that is his tribute site. It has basically a lap-by-lap account of almost every race that he ran in his career, and it's chock full of great information. Like I said, the photos and, and the special documents. I've got his uh, his Indy contract up there. I've got his NASCAR contract with Bill Strop wow. posted up there. I've got his Carroll Shelby contract up there. So some really great stuff, and it's all related to his brief but brilliant four-year racing career. Yeah, I've been to that site. It is a treasure trove of the past and history, and you learn so much more. I, I learned so many things about your dad there that I had no idea. I like one of them you shared at the beginning of our talk here, but I would encourage our listeners to go check it out. I'll make sure that I have a link on Rich's show notes page on the Cars yeah website so it's easy for you to find. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Please. I know. <laughs> you know, as, as I'm asking this going, this is just a dumb, <laughs> dumb question to ask Rich. It's so, not a dumb question. I love that you asked it, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm happy to answer it, of course, because I could talk about my dad. But yeah. it would, without a doubt, 100% be my father. You know, we have so much, Mark, to catch up on and yeah. so much to talk about. And, you know, that's going to happen someday when my life runs its course here. You know, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about everything that we've missed together. But if I could have today, you know, an out-of-body conversational experience with anyone, it would 100% be with my father. Trust me, Mark, I have longed for something like this to happen for a long time. And if the reason you're asking is you have a Make this happen that uh, you know how to reach me. but Yeah, I don't have a secret doorway to heaven. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but you know what? I'd love to be sitting there with you and just watch you guys and share that moment. That would be pretty darn special. So, uh, But let's not rush that reunion, okay? Um, <laughs> you'll have plenty of time in the future for that. But uh, yeah, of course, it would be your dad. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, it goes without saying. Well, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Definitely. You know, uh, Black Noon, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a book about the night. It's actually a, not just a book about Indy, but specifically the 1964 Indianapolis 500. Uh, it was written by Art Garner. It's a fantastic book. He's never written a book before. We'd never heard of Art Garner until he contacted uh, my family. He was always been interested in the race. The 1964 Indianapolis 500 was the first time the Indy 500 was ever red flagged for a crash. Yeah. It was a horrific crash, number one. But uh, he has always been interested in the race, has art. And so he contacted us. He came over to my mom's house and he saw the extensive, you know, it's not just uh, the good things that my mom saved uh, about my father's racing career. She also saved a whole lot of stuff on Indy, and it was a treasure trove of information for Art to write his book because there were hundreds of newspaper articles leading up to the race and, of course, after the race. So he has told us that right then and there at that time, you know, when he saw all that information, that he had decided he was definitely going to go ahead uh, and write the book. But, you know, the reason why I would choose this particular book is a large percentage of the buyers of this book are no doubt, you know, Indy 500 followers. Sure. And for decades, this region of the country, and you know, again, it's mostly Indy 500 and uh, Indy racing fans in in this area, basically only remembered for decades remembered my father as a young rookie 
you know, who was killed in the Indianapolis 500. And he was so much more than that, you know, and there was no Internet. There was no social media preceding the race that would let these people know that he was no run of the mill rookie. I mean, he was an extremely talented and celebrated driver from the sports car ranks and NASCAR, too. And he'd won a ton of races. He'd beaten so many of the world's best drivers in so many races, and none of those people knew. You know, there was just no way of spreading that information back then. Back then, you you opened up the local newspaper, and that was it. And right. your local newspaper in Indiana and in Ohio just talked about sprint racing. It didn't talk about Dave McDonald's exploits around the country. So, sadly... You know, for 45 years, he was only remembered um, as a young rookie who was killed. And Art Garner covered all of my father's many racing accomplishments in his book. So mm. people now have a much better awareness uh, of how great a racer my father really was. And if your listeners, you know, want to go to my dad's website again, and hopefully they can click on the link that you're going to post later, they can also see... Um, you know, like I said earlier, in lap-by-lap lap detail, how great of a racer he was. So mm-hmm. I am really, really thankful that Art wrote that book. It turned out to be on the bestsellers list. It won uh, MSG's, what is it? No, MPG's Book of the Year mm-hmm. in 2014. First book he has ever written, uh, you know, and it, it was able to win that award. So mm-hmm. it's a good book, and it really does... Um, show a lot more to just the Indy 500 crash uh, of my dad. Yeah, and of course, the other driver we lost that day, Eddie Sachs, Absolutely. Was, uh, known as the Clown Prince of Racing. Um, yes. Having had that book and read that book, I know a little bit about that. And that's, that book's been recommended by a pu- couple other guests here on Cars Yeah, but I'm glad that you brought it up, especially since it has such a personal touch in your life. Right. Well, let me, let me just add one last thing about Eddie, and I'm glad that you brought Eddie Sachs up, and I, I'm you know sorry that I didn't mention him myself. Last year was the, it 2016 was the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500, yeah. and IMS was very gracious to invite my mother and I out to the track. So they credentialed us for the whole week. We got to do you know a whole bunch of things, and the last time my mother had ever been to the track was in 1964. She was actually there. I was at the sports arena uh, with my grandfather and my uncle, and we were watching it on closed circuit TV, but mm. she was there. She was in the penthouse on the front straight, so she saw the crash yeah. in person. So she's never really talked about the race in the, in the 50 years that he's died, but she went back, and she had a great time because everyone was so nice, and we got to meet Eddie's son, Eddie Sachs oh. III. He's just a great guy. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned him, and I do want to say now that we're friends on Facebook. We talk even on the phone at times, and uh, I'm just really thankful that I have that relationship or that we have the McDonald and Sachs families have a relationship today. Yeah, very nice. Very nice story. Thanks for taking us there. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Rich has shared on his show notes page on the CarShow website. Just go to CarShow.com, type Rich McDonald in the search bar. That page will pop up and you can find links to this book and all the other things we've talked about today. All right, here we go, Rich. We are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. Today, (laughs) I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. Money's no object. I don't care what it's going to cost. I just want to make you happy. So uh, you let me know, what is that car and why? I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into, Mark, <laughs> if money is no object. But, you know, that's an easy, it's an easy question for me to answer. It would be 
Back in the 60s, Shelby American built six Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupes. So there were only six that were ever built. The first one that was built was CSX 2287. It was the only one of the six that was entirely built in the United States. And my father actually ran that car to its very first victory. So that victory was in the 1964, 12 hours of Sebring. He scored that victory. They outdistanced Ferrari. They went on. With that Daytona Coupe, actually, they almost won the world championship uh, in 1964, but Enzo Ferrari famously had the last race at Monza canceled. So we were yeah. only Shelby American, two points behind Ferrari. As Carol has famously said, we had six Daytona Coupes refreshed and ready to go, and we were going to blow Enzo's doors off mm-hmm. that weekend, but he got the race canceled. So. Yeah. You know, that kind of took away uh, my father would, ever, would forever have been known you know, as a, a world championship, but he wasn't able to get that. But that car, and if people would like to Google CSX 2287, I think you have to put Shelby Daytona Coupe in front of that. Uh-huh. They will see the storied history of that car. Yeah. Uh, it traveled after, you know, it stopped racing. And back then, uh, you know, a, a, a two-year-old car was only an old race car that no one wanted. Right. So it was sold on the cheap. It went through a couple of uh, owners, including uh, music producer and murderer Phil Spector oh, on the gosh. car. <laughs> and then it went to a woman who stored the car away for 40 years. Wow. And it turns out this woman was a little bit crazy. No one really knew where the car was. People searched for it for four decades. And one day she went outside of her house and she lit her herself on fire and killed herself. And while they were going through her belongings, they found uh, a key to a storage facility. And they went over to the storage facility in La Habra, California, and they opened it up. And there was CSX 2287, untouched for almost 40 years. So uh, Dr. Simeon actually won the bidding war and the, the legal battle that ensued. And he now has that car out at the Simeon Museum in Philadelphia. But that car still to this day has not been restored. So it still has my father's and everyone else's who's touched that car and sat in that car. A little DNA in there. All that DNA is in there. So my dad's DNA. And as a matter of fact, this past March, he invited uh, my mother and my sister out to the museum. And we went out there in March. He put us in the car, drove us around in the car. Wow. He let me get in this $25 million car nowadays and start it up. So it was a very emotional experience. I can't tell you uh, how long my mother cried. She was just overwhelmed. But that would be the car. If you were going to buy me any car, Mark, it would be that one. Well, you know, Fred Simeon's been a guest on my show. I've got some connections with him, so I'll see what I can do. See if I can. I won't hold my breath. <laughs> see if I can pry that from his fingers. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold your breath, my friend. But you know what? You work at a place that they can build you a pretty damn nice one. So yeah. uh, uh, I'll just have to have one made for you there. I'll call Lance up and uh, say, "Hey, we need to get something done here for uh, my good buddy Rich." Wow, what a story! What a story! Well, Rich, you have taken us on an amazing ride today. I, I knew this was going to be fun and I've enjoyed learning so much more about you and especially your father. It's just tremendous. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Car Show listeners and me. Would you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Shelby Daytona Coupe CSX 2287? I would say, Mark, I would try to tell your listeners to follow your dreams. 
uncover your passion and I did recently and it's made my life much more enjoyable but you know whether it's business related or it's pleasure try to find a way to incorporate that newfound passion into your life it's going to make every day in your life more enjoyable and you'll wake up every day how many people don't wake up with a smile on their face looking forward to what the day holds a whole lot of people but if you can find that passion in your heart that burns within you it will make every day that much more enjoyable Amen, brother. Amen. You know, when I was at your guys' facility, I was there before the doors were even opened, and I noticed something there at Superformance. Everyone, and I watched all the employees walk in the door that morning. I was sitting there. Everyone had a smile on their face. I'm not kidding. Everyone did. And uh, yeah, make sure you figure out what your passion is. For some people, that's a hard thing to do, but you can do it. Work at it and then follow it. Now, remind our listeners the best way for them to follow along with you, Superformance, and your dad's website. What are all those ways they can follow along and see what you're up to? Yeah, let me say again. Uh, the corporate website is www.hillbank, H-I-L-L-B-A-N-K, USA.com. Uh, you could see every car. I mean, it's updated daily. So if we get new consignment cars in for sale or we get new rolling chassis from our factory in South Africa, once they arrive and we check them in and we drop them with wheels, uh, we put those on the website as well. So you can see our entire inventory on the website. And I would seriously encourage people to go there and see the cars that we have for sale. And then, of course, um, if you want to check out uh, the racing history of Dave McDonald, my father, he really was quite a successful race car driver. And, you know, it was a long time ago, and I understand that it's mostly faded from memory. But if you go to his website, you can see, prepare to spend some time there. And I think maybe (laughs) you may have as well. You're not going to go there and spend five or or ten minutes there. There's a whole lot of great information there that um, will we'll keep your attention. Absolutely. DaveMcDonald.net. Pour yourself a nice uh, tall drink, uh, whatever you like to drink, and uh, sit back and open up your computer and enjoy a little bit of history and learn a whole lot of things. Well, listeners, you can find everything that Rich has shared again on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type a Rich McDonald, M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D into that search bar and his page will pop right up. Rich, thanks for being so generous this evening. Here we are on a Friday evening talking about cars, uh, having fun. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your Friday evening to spend it with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. Very enjoyable. Pleasure speaking with you. Have a great night. The pleasure was all mine. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.